Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make That's what that's what we're all about here, trying to make things better, and uh, you know, make a better world, make our lives better. Uh, we're not real good at that, but the Lord is, and uh, so that's why we're following Him. And uh, uh, tonight uh, we have a very very special guest, and uh, I'm I'm very excited about this show because. And, and I thought of this guest because we've been talking about revolution. I gave my state of the, the catch address earlier this week, uh, last week, uh, and, um, and we talked about a spiritual revolution and, uh, uh, and a new frontier. Um, so I thought, boy, revolution has been the, the, the hot topic around the catch. We need to have somebody who can who can talk about it and no one better than I can think of is this is this guy because I would call him basically a revolutionary and uh so I really would like you to welcome singer, songwriter, truth seeker, revolutionary <laughs> uh Barry McGuire. Barry welcome wow. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. Nice to, it's really great to you know, I'm honored that you would call me. Oh, hey, this is this is cool. Um, you know, I I think of you, I think of you as revolutionary because way back, you know, where you got started. We're going to start with that revolution first. We're going to start with the 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 spiritual revolution, the first one. Um, you, you know, you were you were cruising along with the Christie minstrels. And, yeah, uh, well, the, the first thing he's talking about the, happy the, like, like the Jesus Revolution, you know, that for me, that was like the third or fourth revolution in my life, you know. Right. I mean, I, 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 right. Started, I started searching for bottom line truth back when I was in my early 20s. And uh, that's what, you know, got me going the way I was going, got me picking up a guitar and playing it and. And walking away from, uh, I mean, I just got my journeyman's card as a pipe fitter. I was making great money. and uh, But I, there was just something about, there was a mystery in music, and I really loved it. And I followed the mystery. I was always trying to find the bottom line, trying to find the bottom line. And, and you know, my grandmother, when I was a little baby, she told me, you know, someday you're going to grow up, and you're going to learn the truth, and the truth is going to set you free, Barry. And I didn't know that was. I didn't know there was a Bible. I just knew that you know that certainly I did want to be free. Don't we all want to be free? That's the, the, the you know the human goal is to be free, and certainly lies would never set me free. So if the only thing that I could you know that made such sense to me that the truth and only the truth will set me free. So I went searching for the truth, and that's what got me into the Christie Minstrels, and that's what caused me to leave yeah. the Christie Minstrels. <laughs> was just going yeah, I just, want, I want... you know. 
I want you to talk about that part um, about leaving and what you know. You're you you guys are cruising along. You you you've started a whole new type of music. I I remember uh, at Wheaton College we had a I think it was a Campus Crusade group that came and sang for us, and I they were a clone of the Christie Minstrels. Oh, uh-huh. and yeah. uh, I forget their name now, but. Uh, I, I remember how excited I was to first see that for me, you know, how new and fresh that was, but that something else was going on inside of you. Um, you want to, you want to talk about that for a little bit. Oh, sure. When I was in the minstrels, you know, we were doing, you know, 300 shows a year. Plus we're doing albums and, and uh, special events and stuff. It was just an absolute nightmare it was like riding an avalanche you know just hopping from one boulder to another just trying to keep on top of it and and during that time I, I got introduced to marijuana and I started smoking grass every day and I started looking at myself and looking at the world and a friend of mine Paul Potash we started asking questions what are we what is this all about anyway where did we come from you know where are we going what are we doing this for What's going to happen to us when we die? Where, you know, where were we before we were born? You know, uh, what's it all about anyway? So we started getting books, and we started reading, 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 and everybody else would be out partying, and we'd be in our room at night reading, smoking marijuana, and reading books on, you know, Eastern philosophies and religions. And there was a book called Man's Presumptuous Brain about the the ego and the IQ and how it all works and what the brain is all about and what consciousness is. What is consciousness? You know, I mean, what creates consciousness? And what happens to us, what happens to consciousness when we go to sleep? I still don't know about that one. <laughs> but uh, I, I reached a point, and then I heard Bob Dylan's music. And there was something in Dylan's lyrics that just really got a hold of my heart. And I thought, man, there's something going on deeper here. And so I, I wanted yeah. to sing Bobby Dylan tunes. Well, the Christies didn't want to do any of his stuff. And so I left the group and came out to L.A. just to just to find somebody that wanted to, you know, record me doing Dylan's tunes. And Roger McGuinn, a friend of mine who put the birds together, he he gave me a ride across town. I didn't have a car. I'd been on the road for three years with the minstrels, and he gave me a ride. And he said, I just signed a contract. We've got a single coming out next week. I said, oh, how does it go? So he's driving along. I'm in the passenger seat, you know, and he's singing, hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. And I said, oh, man, I wanted to do that tune. You know, and he beat me to it. But, uh, <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later, they were opening at Ciro's, the, the birds with their, all their new music. And I was down dancing because, you know, uh, Roger and, 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 and Crosby and, and I mean, they were all friends of mine. And, and so I'm out there dancing and, and a guy called me over the table, Lou Adler. He was sitting there, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm dancing. Would you like to be recording? Oh, yeah. So he introduced me to a guy, Phil Sloan, 19-year-old P.F. Sloan. Had a notebook full of songs, and he had a song in there called Eve of Destruction that really, once again, caught me. I thought, this is truth. This is, You know, I, I've discovered that you know why prophets have to go out and live in a cave it's because, like Bob Dylan, I always thought and still think he he was. And, I mean, I think he's pulled in his horns, but he was an early early prophet, man. He he started the original Absolutely. for me, the original uh, revolution in my soul was triggered mm-hmm. by Bob Dylan and his music. You know, 
and I went looking for the yeah. answer. What is what is it all about? The answer is blowing in the wind. Well, what answer is blowing in the wind? You know, and hey, Mister, who's the tambourine man? You know, <laughs> I want to know the tambourine man. And uh, then Roger McGuinn told me when he said, "You know, McGuire, there's got to be there's got, you, they said there's somebody out there that knows your name, and you can trust them." And we talked about that, mm-hmm. you know, and because I did even, you know, made a lot of money, and I'm living out in Topanga Canyon, and, and Roger used to come by, you know, once or twice a week, and and we'd smoke dope and talk about the big picture, and uh, and and the, and the dots. Oh, I love Monet, you know, Monet is all dots, mm-hmm. and when you look at Monet and mm-hmm. the spiritual from a spiritual reference, right? Well, there's the dots, which to me, you're a dot, I'm a dot. Everybody we know is a dot. The telephone that you're, I'm speaking in is a dot. You know, and they're different sized dots. There's molecular sized dots, atom sized dots, subatomic particle dots, and then they all cluster together and they make a bigger dot. They start forming, you know, uh, the stuff that stuff is made out of, elements. And then there's the bigger dots, and then there's the earth dot, and then there's the, the cosmic dot, you know, the, the galaxy, and, and it's all just dots. And we get, you know, and we're, and we're right now focused on this one little dot. But when you step back, actually step so far back that the yeah. whole, the whole of, of reality becomes a dot. Well, then where are you? Mm. Yeah, I mean, mm. you're outside of the dots. You know, and I, thought, yeah. I often think yeah. about, you know, it says in the beginning, you know, God said, let there be light. Well, what was there before there was light? You ever think about that? I mean, so I think about these. I mean, I, I, there was darkness. Yeah. So out of the darkness came the light. So where is God? God is in the darkness. You know? <laughs> and we think of darkness as something, ooh, the darkness, oh, you know? No, no, the darkness oh, is yeah. where, where God lives in the dark. And my son, Brennan, he's wrote a song. It says, darkness, you're my friend. And when I first heard that hmm. song, I said, Brennan, what are you talking about? He says, Dad, he says, that's the only way I, where place I can really find God is in utter darkness because there's no distractions. No distractions. <laughs> and you know what? I think huh. that the, the, the light itself, the particles of light that are, are distractions that distract us and keep, and keep us from seeing who the true being, the source of, of light is, you know? Wow. And it's just, it's wow. just, uh, and these are these things. I'm, I'm still grind on things. I'm still digging. I'll never. I, I read a little thing the other day. Uh, uh, the, the, the student comes to the teacher. And he says, teacher, he says, what must I do to find God? And the teacher says, well, there's two things. He says, first, you have to realize you'll never find God. And he says, and the second is to forget the first. <laughs> <laughs> How can we find well, that which is beyond time and space? We'll never true. find it. Not in yeah. this dimension, but so forget that. Yep. Okay, so we'll never be able to, I mean, how can you picture, I ask people, well, what do you, how do you picture God? You know, is God like Zeus sitting on a throne with lightning bolts in one hand and, and olive branches in another one? I mean, you know, it, it's, everybody has a, a visual image of God. Is God sitting in this great throne room all surrounded with all these guys going, oh, holy God, oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, and there are all thousands of them. Oh, holy, oh, holy, holy, holy. Well, is that God? You know, does he need people to say, thousands of people telling him all day long how holy and wonderful he is or it is? Because I don't think God is a he or a she or, 
You know, God is beyond all of that. You know, and then here's the real, the real awesome thing is that's very source out of which everything came dwells within us, and we dwell in it. Wow. You know, yeah. you mentioned in the very beginning about following Jesus, and a guy asked me the other day, John, he says, are you still following Jesus? I said, no, I don't follow Jesus anymore. I said, I'm actually in Christ. You know, <laughs> I'm in Christ. It's no longer I that live. Wow. It's Christ that lives in me, and I live in him. I move, breathe, have my being in him, and he moves, breathes, and has his being in me. It's a mystery, you know, because wow. when you're following someone, you can get off track. You can get you can get distracted, you know. The particles of light will catch your eye. A new Lamborghini will go up. Oh my goodness, you know. Well, that's just a, a bundle of light particles all being held together by by atomic forces. But it's just a, it's just a distraction. But when you're in Christ, there's no distractions. You know, all of these songs. Yeah. I will follow yeah. Jesus. I will follow Jesus. Well, those that's one for me, John. That's one point off of being. See, we're not meant to follow. We're supposed to dwell in him, not follow him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not walk with him, you know, not be committed to him. Wow. See, see, when people are committed, like if you're engaged to a girl, you're committed. A girl is engaged to a guy, you're committed. You're engaged. And you're faithful to each other. You love each other. You might even lay down your life for the person that you're engaged. You love that person. But at the end of the day, you go home alone because you're only engaged. But when you get married... You entered the bridal chamber and you consume the relationship as consummated and you become one person. And I think that's what Christ is talking about when he says, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, I'm sorry, who are you? Well, I did all this in your name. Look, I built these hospitals and, and orphanages and, and sent out, and, you know, and you did that, all this I've done in your name, cast out demons and raised, you know, he healed the sick. And he said, you know, but, I, but you did, you did, you did it. In my name, you didn't. I didn't do it through you. Mm. You did it in my name. You know, I'm sorry. Exactly. I don't know you. Wow. See, a lot of people are engaged to Jesus. They love Him, but they've never surrendered. They've never allowed Christ, mm. to, and they've never entered to the bridal chamber of their heart and and consummated their relationship and totally surrendered. See, marriage is surrender. Engagement is commitment. But marriage is surrender. Mm. And when I realized mm-hmm. that about 10, 15 years ago, my whole life changed. And I realized that he holds wow. me in the pond. I belong to him. Nothing can happen to me. There are no accidents that happen to me or you, anybody. It's just you have to wake up and realize that, that we are in his hand. You know, whatever. Wow. When Christ was walking up the hill to be, to be crucified, to be murdered, basically, well, how could Mary stand over on the other side of the embankment or wherever she was looking at her precious little boy being taken up to be murdered and say, oh, this is God's will. Praise God. You know, I mean, how could she? She didn't. You know, nobody knew that. But it was God's will. Even Jesus said, mm-hmm. God, why have you forsaken me for in that moment? You know, but it was God's will. Right. And, and we have to like every, I've got a song. It's not if, if I don't know. Anybody listening want to hear it? It's called Not My Will. Just go to YouTube and Google mm. Barry McGuire, Not My Will. And uh, there's a song there that cool. says everything I have to say. It's just, it's just I'm not asking cool. you to change my situation is one of the lines. Because that's what people pray for, uh-huh. that, that God will change their situation. 
Well, I'm not asking God to change my situation because, and then the song goes on to say, because I know it is my heart that needs to change. You know, uh, your love will be revealed as I trust in you to those who see me walking through this flame, not my will, but thy will be done. You know, and, and either he's our sovereign God, this is how the song ends, or he's just a fantasy. Now, what's one or the other? Uh, he's either in control or he's not. So whatever comes my way, I know it's his perfect will for me, and I'm trusting him with everything I've got. And there it is. You're just you're dead. You walk out the door a dead man. I, I wrote a song. It says, "I'm a dead man, pom 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 pom, just a dead man, pom pom." Well, a dead man's never in a hurry, which is true. <laughs> a dead man's got a lot of time. Which is true. A dead man's never going to worry. Which is true. He's got a lot of peace on his mind. Which is true. And then it says, I'm walking dead <laughs> through the world. And I'm coming alive in Jesus. Walking dead through a dying world. And I'm coming alive in his love. Well, I'm a dead man. Ba-bomb, ba-bomb, ba-bomb. I'm just a dead man. Because I'm dead. I'm already dead. I'm a dead man walking, man. You know? And the only reason, I was in an airplane. I'm, I'm rattling away here. I, I, I could talk about this for hours. Yeah. I was in an airplane the other yeah, day, and yeah, I'm thinking I, about this, the, the name God. See, as soon as you name God, this preconceived image of atheist or, or believer, I don't care you know, if you're a, a Muslim or a Jew or a, a Christian or whatever you are, this preconceived image of who you think God is comes into your mind. And that's not God. If you can conceive it in your mind, that's not God. Because God is beyond conception. God's bigger than all that, you know. So I'm thinking about this. And I was reading a book that's talking about a science magazine, on the, on the, and it says everything came out of nothing. Therefore, nothing must be something. But we don't know what to call it, so we just call it nothing. You know, and I thought, well, I know nothing. <laughs> I know a whole lot about nothing. In fact, nothing lives in my heart. And I, then I said, what, what, what can I call God? What kind of a name can I give God that would make sense, that wouldn't bring up a preconceived concept of what people think you're talking about? And the first thing that came to my brain was the source, the source of all that is. You know, and I said, oh, God, I like that. That just made me warm inside, that the, the, the creator of all that is, the speaker of the light, is the source of light, is the, you know... And I thought, I want to be a sorcerer. That's what I thought in the airplane. I'm all by my, I mean, I'm not, the plane is full, but I'm all by myself just meditating in Christ, you know. And I thought, oh, I want to be a sorcerer. And then I said, ooh, that sounds like sorcerer. And I don't want to be a sorcerer. <laughs> and I started thinking, well, what's the difference between a sorcerer and a sorcerer? And I thought, well, a sorcerer, a sorcerer has no agenda. A sorcerer is just an opening through which the source can flow. Like Christ said, I don't do anything on my own. I don't speak my own words. I, don't, I only do what the Father, I see the Father does through me. The Father speaks through me. Christ was a sorcerer. He had no agenda except to allow his Father to move through him. And I thought, that's what I want to be, God. I want to be a sorcerer. Just flows through me. I don't have an agenda. And you know, the scriptures, you know, Bible says, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. Then what's the next line? I shall not want. I shall not want. Isn't that a great line? I shall not want. And to me, that means I will not want. I make a decision, a choice not to want. I don't want anything. I have everything. I have Christ in me. Christ lives in me. God lives in me, lives in you. 
you know. So what? Mm-hmm. What? what and, and, and so whatever comes my way is His will for me, and I can receive whether I'm put in a concentration camp, thrown in a gas chamber, uh, waterboarded, uh, whatever happens to me, it's God. I can receive it from God's will. I mean, my my biological uh, envelope, the body that I live in, may scream and kick and holler and yell. But the but the spirit being that lives within me will just step back and watch it all happen, you know. Look what's mm. happening, you know, and then exit this biological form and and whatever the source, you know, wherever we came from, yeah, return to that from wow. which we came, you know. So it's just it's just, and then I thought, okay, then if that's a source, has no agenda, a sorcerer, then what is a sorcerer? And this is where it got really kind of weird for me. I thought a sorcerer is someone who uses the power of the source to to further their own agenda. Hmm. See, a sorcerer will okay. use the words of Christ, will hijack the message of Jesus to build their own ministry, and then to get people hmm. to do what they want them to do, and to start being become no. the the overseer of the flock. You know, that to me, mm-hmm. that's a sorcerer. A sorcerer has well, no agenda. See, that's why I don't, you, you said about, about letting people know about this this uh, radio interview, and you mentioned, you know, just contact your people. I don't have any yeah. people. I don't have a contact list. <laughs> I don't keep track of anybody. You know, I never I, I never call and ask to, to do concerts. You know, I mean, if somebody calls, you know, I just don't have a booking agent. I do now. I just got one the other day, actually, but I don't know if she's going to be able to get me any any uh, shows anywhere. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the phone she rang. Wrote. I didn't she call her. She called me, and she said she had a couple yeah. of things back east, you know, in, in Boston and New York, and and uh, you, you know, I, so I figured if, the, if it happens, it'll be God's will. If it doesn't happen, it will be God's will. You know, isn't that cool? Yeah. I mean, that's the peace that's that passes cool. all understanding. Yeah. You know, when I'm doing, con- and I don't get invited to many churches these days, because like Chuck Smith, I heard Chuck Smith's brother one time said, well, McGuire's gone off the deep end. And I thought, praise God, yes. I'm tired of waiting around <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the waiting pool. You know, put me in the, the bottomless depths of God's infinite sea of love, man. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so I don't get invited <laughs> to too many churches. But when I do get invited, one of the things I do is I will sing "I Surrender All." I love that song. I surrender mm-hmm. all, all to Thee, my precious Savior. I surrender all. And I ask the kind, we'll all sing it together. I say, how many of us have sung that song before? Everybody raises their hand. Oh, praise! How many of us have done it? Ooh, kind of a little yeah. hesitated hush. Yeah, maybe. Eight or ten, fifteen hands will go up to this big congregation of a couple hundred people, and they go, "Whoa, wow!" I said, well, "How many of us here are living a stress-free life?" And everybody kind of a little giggle goes through the crowd. Nobody raises their hand. And I said, "Well, how can we sing 'I Surrender All' if we have stress in our life? Then obviously we haven't surrendered all. So isn't that called lip service? If we're sitting here saying oh, 'I surrender all' and we're uptight about how we're going to pay the rent." Or what's going to happen to my son in in jail? Or what's going to you know? Well, if we if we have stress, if we're stressing out, see, and then I realized, and I share this from the pulpit when they invite me to come, which they hardly ever do. When I've discovered that <laughs> stress 
is a wonderful little meter on, on the dashboard of our heart. It's the stress meter. And God, I, I'm convinced, I mean, this is my perspective of one, I'm convinced that that little stress meter, when it starts to come off the peg and the little needle starts to move up, it's showing me, now listen to this, man, it's showing me that there's something living within me that doesn't trust God. Hmm. You know? Wow. And as soon as yeah. I recognize that I'm starting to move into an area of stress, I go to my confess. What is it? Who is the confessor? And who's the confess? The person you confess to? Who's that? Your confessee? I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. nah. my wife. <laughs> she's my. She's the one I confess to, and I tell her, you know, I'm da da da, and this and that. And a lot of times she sees me stressing before I even notice the needles moving in the meter. She knows I'm already, you know getting caught up and I'm mm. being distracted by the bundles of light. <laughs> and, yeah. And I pray, I ask yeah. God, what is this? Where is this coming from? And John, every time it ever happens and it's getting further and further between these moments. And the sooner you can catch it. And I pray, I ask God, I say, okay, where is this coming from? And I got, it takes me right back to the very childhood moment or sometime in my life when a situation occurred and this spirit of mistrust moved into my, the matrix of my mind and it lives there now. And it's set up housekeeping, a little stronghold within me of, of not trusting God. Oh, this is too big for God. Wow. He can't handle this one. No, 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 man. You know, this is too much for him. And then you know, that, Barry, that there's rattles. something I. Oh. No, go ahead. No, it's good. You go um, ahead. There's something. There's something that I've I've always uh, wondered about, because I think you became a Christian uh, after the Jesus movement was really in full swing. It seems to me. I don't know uh, what year it was, but uh, there that means there would have been a period of time there where you were around, you know, the Jesus people and freaks, Jesus freaks and all that. Yeah, I, I, surre- I surrendered into Christ. What did Christ. you think about all that? Yeah, I left, I left Hollywood in 1971 on a Greyhound bus searching for Jesus. And my uncle was a Christian. He's the only person I knew that knew Christ. And he lived here in Fresno. That's where I live now. And so I got a Greyhound bus, left Hollywood, came up, talked to my uncle, asked him all these questions. He would walk me along the river in and, and the afternoons, and, and he'd be reading answers to me out of the Bible. And so and I met a little group of street Christians and started going to church, and then we started, you know, developed this little thing where we'd go out and sing songs in different places and, and hand out pamphlets. And I was part of that 1971, 72. You know, that was before Keith even, Keith Green came back. He came to my concert one time. He didn't even know Christ, you know, and and uh, so that was that's and 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 you know, I look at those days and I think of church and I really and I have a, just such a a deep deep love and respect for those early days because to me church is like a kindergarten. It's like it was that was the that was the little greenhouse that God pulled me out of the insanity of the world I was living in, the, the septic tank of my my decadent adventure, and, and you know, mm. and pulled me out of that and then planted me in this little greenhouse. And it was full of mm. little green plants that were all growing in the love of Christ, you know. But then a funny thing happened. There were thousands of people that happened to, all across the United States and even around the world. Yeah. You know, there was a, there were, before that moment, I was, I was, 
I mean, I did hair on Broadway looking for Christ. I didn't know I was, lo- I was looking for the one who knew my name, the one I could trust. <clears throat> and hair was a statement to me that was, uh, had a lot of truth in it, and it does have a lot of truth in it. But it's got a couple of things that are missing. And I saw that those things were missing. My friends were dying from sexually transmitted disease and drug overdose and suicide. So I thought, well, something's missing. So I left here. I came to California. That's where I read a little paperback book, Good News for Modern Man. That was in 1970. And then in in, uh, in, uh, January, February, March, April, May of 1971, I took a bus out of Fresno, out of of L.A. to Fresno. And as I grew in Christ, I started to see discrepancies in what people taught that, and what they, how they were. You know, I started to see discrepancies in how people, how churches handled the money and how the, and, and the people in the pews and the people in the pulpits. And, and, and I started to see this, this control thing coming down from the one man who ran the whole show and, you know, and everybody was answerable to yeah. everybody except him. He wasn't answerable to anybody, you know. And I thought, well, what's going on here? And then I started to really, and then I, and they knew all, all these things we were taught back in those days. You know, about, I'd go to one church because I was out singing, and the, the pastor would get up there and he would say, that speaking in tongues is a sign of the Holy Spirit living within you. And if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. You know, I, oh, that's interesting. So I, you know, did my best to learn how to speak in tongues. And, uh, and then I went to another church. And Sam had another pastor who loved Christ. I mean, when he preached, tears were in his eyes, and he was just full of God, and he loved God. And he's saying, and he, if you, people who speak in tongues are demon, that's a sign of demon possession, you know? And I'm just young in the Lord. I, what's going on here? I mean, this guy says, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. And the guy says, if you do speak in tongues, you're full of the devil, you know? You're demon possessed. And I said, what am I, what's going on? And I just, you know, I don't hear voices, John, but I get little nudgings. And I had this little nudge. Said, don't look at them, Barry. Don't look at them. Just keep yeah. your eyes on me. Just keep your eyes That's on me. Perfect. Yeah. You That's know. Um, and then it went on so and on, and we got this whole okay. healing yeah. thing. Yeah. You know. And I've been on platform yeah. with Yongi Cho and Reinhard Bonnke and all these great healing. I've never seen anybody get off of a gurney. I've never seen anybody get out of a wheelchair and walk mm-hmm. away. I've heard people, oh, now they can hear, oh, and I can see. You know, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, in fact, I have sat on a platform, John, and I have prayed, God, don't not heal someone because I'm here tonight. You know, just because I'm here, don't, that, please don't let that prevent you from healing someone. You know, but I'm not going to get up here. I'm up on stage. I'm looking down on the, on the, on the, in front of the platform there, and the preacher's down there playing for people, and they're falling down, they're falling down. But everybody in the wheelchairs, none of them got up. The lady that came on the gurney, he got her up and stood her up and prayed for her and says, now walk. And she fell over. She clapped like a wet dish towel boom, up on the floor, you know. And I'm sitting up there and I'm thinking, well, you know, Lord, I, I can't. And then somebody says, oh, I, I, can, I can walk my foot, you know. And, and I said, you know, if that guy, I'm, I'm, I can't pretend that I know what's happening. And the guy says, oh, I've been killed, healed of cancer. Hallelujah. You know, well, maybe a friend of mine, uh, Charles McFeeders, Went back to New York. He was healed of cancer. He came back to California, and three weeks later, he died from the cancer. But he, but everybody there that night rejoiced mm-hmm. because Charles had been healed by God of cancer. And he came back saying, oh, I don't yeah. have cancer. This is a lie. This is Satan's lying to me. This is all a trick. My, I was healed 2,000 years ago by his stripes. I was healed. Well, he died anyway, you know. 
And yeah. now my son is born. I have a yeah. son born who is, who is bipolar. I mean, very heavy bipolar. If it weren't for medication, mm-hmm. he would be in a rubber room right now. You know, and I prayed for mm-hmm. 20 years for my son. And I'm over in, in Ireland doing a, a tour for UNICEF, uh, you know, raising funds to vaccinate children in third world countries. And my wife called me from Fresno. And she said, our son is in a psychiatric ward in, in, the, in the Fresno Hospital. He's strapped to a gurney, and they've got him shut down on Thorazine. He had his first psychotic break. And we'd been praying for Brendan for years, for years. We didn't know he was bipolar. You know, we just knew he had these incredible, you know, difficult situations mm-hmm. that we were mm-hmm. dealing with all, day after day after day. Behavioral problems, we thought, we were told. And and finally, we realized he's mentally ill. And I was so mad, John. I was kicking the furniture, punching the walls, and cursing God. I mm-hmm. said, you know, he says, if you ask, if I ask for a, a loaf of bread, then you're not going to give me a, a stone. Or if I ask for a, a fish, you're not going to give me a snake. I said, I got a table full of rocks and snakes right here. I've been praying for 20 years, leaving messages on your voicemail. You never get back to me. I said, this is all a bunch of crap. I don't believe it. This is all a fantasy. I don't believe it anymore. You know, I mean, I, he says, whatever I ask believing, well, that's, that's what I'm going to get. I said, well, I, if I didn't believe, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. But now I think I'm talking to myself because I'm not getting anything back from you. And I said, I'm out of here. And then I thought, in my little room in Ireland, in my motel room, I'm by myself, and I'm thinking, okay, what are you going to do, Barry? Are you going to dive back into that filth that, that you came out of? And I said, oh, man, I don't want to do that. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And then I realized what Peter said. You know, he said, God, you're the only one with the words of life. There's no life outside mm. of Christ. And I thought, well, then something's wrong. What's wrong? How come this is not? How come my son is, you know, the little boy that I wrote Bullfrogs and Butterflies for? And thousands, tens of thousands of children have grown up singing that song. And the very boy I wrote it for mm-hmm. is, is strapped to a gurney and shut down on, in, a, in a mental hospital. You know, yeah. And so then, then I wow. thought, okay, okay, well, I, I must have been taught wrong. Something's out, not right here. And so I thought, well, how did Jesus pray in his in his hour of greatest desperate need? And this is what he said: Nevertheless, and these words set me free, John. This was this was the transitional mm-hmm. point in my life. Nevertheless, not my will, but Thy will be done. And that's when I gave it all to God that night in Ireland. I said, okay, this is it. I will never, ever will I ask you for anything again except for your perfect will to be accomplished through my life and within the sphere of influence that I occupy. And for those around me who need to, people ask me, pray for me, that's what I pray for them, that God's perfect will will be manifested in their life and in the sphere that they, you know, that they occupy, the people that enter their sphere of influence, that God's perfect will will be done. And then they say, well, how do I know what God's perfect will is? Well, I have to imagine that if I ask that God's perfect will is done, then whatever happens must be his perfect will. So receive it from him as his perfect will for you. Whether we live or die, we're already dead. We're dead to the world, you know? <laughs> Yep. Anyway, that's so, so that's cool. pretty much yeah, where I'm at I these days. And, and I've came, you know, the Jesus movement was great. And I really think because of what I feel coming from people, I mean, friends that I know that they don't go to church. I mean, some of them used to go. They don't go anymore because it just doesn't make any sense. 
you know and 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 but i feel there's a there's a great hunger there's a spiritual hunger that's just permeating it's 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 masticizing throughout society a spiritual hunger for truth for depth for meaning for reality you know and 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 you know that's where we were back in the the late 60s early 70s and yeah, we yeah. we found that that in christ but then we got sidetracked. I got sidetracked. I don't know about anybody else. I got sidetracked into the church. Into the, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about, see, people ask Mari and I, well, well, where do you go to church? We said, well, that's the wrong question. You mean, what's the name hanging over the door of the building where the church goes to, to, to get together? I said, we're the church. Mm-hmm. We're the living church. Mm-hmm. I said, my wife and I, we belong to the church of two or more. You know, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. You know, we're always in church. I am the church. You are the church. You know, but 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 what yeah. happened to the Jesus people is we all got swept into the pews, and all of a sudden we're sitting there listening to this guy teach these 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 doctrines that don't work. You know. And, and 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 everybody's saying, "Oh, the man of God! Oh, the man of God!" And they're doing what he says to do. And and it's not working, but they pretend. Oh, look at the beautiful, look at the beautiful clothes that the king has on. And the little boy says, "What well, the king doesn't have any clothes on?" Oh, honey, you can only see them with eyes of faith. But but mm-hmm. the but the guy standing there with no clothes on. Well, that's because you don't have the faith to see his his clothes. Mm-hmm. You know. One time I was in in, in yes. New Zealand, and, and this this little girl, it's the minister's daughter, and she's in the front row with her mom. And they're all standing, worshiping, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And the little girl is coloring, and she stands up, and she looks at the congregation, and she pulls on her mom's skirt. Her mother told me this. Pulls on her, you know, hem of her dress. Mommy, mommy. She says, what, dear? And she's looking at the congregation, and these were her words. We really are pretending, aren't we? (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So you yeah. know, I had to get out of you the. Know, I had to get out of the pretenders, yeah. the group of pretenders, and I had to get yeah. into the deep water, where Christ is is all in all, where yeah. there is no fear, you there did, is Barry. no want. You did. You just you just fell in the deep end, Barry. That's. <laughs> we well, yeah, and, and there's no off. bottom to this deep <laughs> end. It's bottomless. <laughs> You know, I feel like I'm suspended, like a, pe- a plankton, you know, just yeah. suspended in the sea of infinite being. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the planktons only go where the current takes it. Well, that's the Holy Ghost that moves me through the sea. I don't know where I'm going. Beautiful. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't care. You know, it's just mm-hmm. so exciting. Life is so exciting these days. I don't, I don't yeah. it's, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, Barry, I've got time for one one more question. Okay. Before I give it, I pro- I promised Marty that I would tell you that she wa- she wanted me to tell you that you are her favorite musician. So I'm oh, just going to say that she has a very narrow perspective. Your wife does. <laughs> there you go. And and I'm I'm thinking about. Uh, we we we've been talking about revolution, and you know, eve of destruction started a revolution. I really think it did, and I think you were led to that song uh, because of what your grandmother said: "Is the truth will set you free." Yep. Well, that song yep. is half, at least at least one side of it, half of the truth. We're we're really screwed up, and we need some help. 
And well, a guy asked me the other day, are we still on the eve? I said, are we still on the eve of destruction? I said, no. I said, that was 50 years ago. I said, we, the, the sun has set on the eve of destruction. I said, the sun is rising on the dawn of desolation here. You know? And there's only one way wow. out of this yeah. mess. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So I want to ask you a question for now, okay? Yep. Um, would, you, would you call yourself a revolutionary now? I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I don't even know what does that okay, what does revolutionary mean? What does that mean? I mean, I hunger for truth. Is that a revolutionary? Mm-hmm. You know, I can't accept the, 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 the status quo of everybody because everybody yeah. says it's so, and I look at it and it doesn't work. It either works or it doesn't yeah. work. He's either he's our sovereign God or he's just a fantasy, you know? So, that, and that's, that's, I, I, that's, so I, I guess I am a revolution. I don't know what it means. Yeah, you are. Yeah, no, okay. I, you are. And, and, you, and you've been talking <laughs> about that all along because you have all these weird ideas that, um, you know, I can see why people don't want you coming to their church. But, um, they, yeah, they, they make a lot of sense to me. And um, here's the thing, because cause that's because you're a revolutionary. You're not going to settle for what everyone else is settling for. Um, you're going to keep moving on and you're going to push through. And I think, you know, you're right about what happened from the Jesus movement till now. We all went into the pews. We all fell asleep for a while. And there was that whole time. But then there's some who have kept being, being alive through that whole thing. You know, in some way, we just didn't go down. We refused, you know, we were always looking for the truth. And, yeah, I and it was you're scary, one of those. John. You're one of those, Gary. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was scary walking away from that group, that, you know, that group of, because mm-hmm. of, they're beautiful, beautiful, wonderful. I mean, they're wonderful people. Those are my grandparents, you know, but I had to leave home. Mm-hmm. I couldn't spend my life living with my mom and dad. You know, and I think that's what most churches do is they want to keep you in kindergarten. They never want you to walk out into the world, a man or a woman of God, you know, and just live your life in Christ. You know, they want you to come, come back, come back, come back and, and, and you know, and, and support the, the, you know, the organization. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Well, well Barry, um, unfortunately, our time is up. And uh, uh, all this tells me is that uh, we'll have to have you again. And I, well, I realize you. that I don't, I don't, I don't have to have any questions for you. I'll just ask you one question, and then that's all you need to, talk to do for the rest of the time. <laughs> and away I go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm doing a concert in Pasadena on Thursday night at the Pasadena okay. Library. And, uh, and my information is on my website. Just go to www.barrymaguire.com. Go to the calendar page. All the information is there. And if anybody wants to see my show, it's called Trip in the 60s. And I, I just sing all the old songs and tell the stories of how I came through and the mess, the maze, and popped out of the end, you know. So that's, if anybody would like to Great. come along, you're sure invited, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll push that. That's so great. Very, okay, thank John. You. Thank you again. I love you, You're brother. You're very welcome. Keep on. Yeah. Love to your wife. 
Oh, to, and, and to Marty from us. Yeah, he was, Yeah. Okay, okay, man. Beautiful. Bye. Take care. And there you have it, folks. That's, that's Barry McGuire, singer, songwriter, <laughs> seeker of truth, and still a revolutionary. He's not going to settle for whatever he owns now. Okay. Be a revolutionary. Yourself. All right.